Serenissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair and beauty source and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the Sales World Channel, iHealth Radio, with your host, Hurricane H. New day, new show, new topic. Uh, we're in the sales world, so we're talking careers, career development, business, leadership. That's that's the channel for this particular purpose. And uh, with me, I have someone who's actually going to guide us through some of these things. So, uh, you know, it is important. Uh, we live in an environment where maybe finances and world of economics can be difficult. Businesses can be tough. Uh, finding a career path that is appropriate can be a difficult thing. Many people have um, decided to change their paths in a post-pandemic, and a lot of things have happened since the last couple of years. And again, my guest today is going to change a little bit of our perspective with her background and uh, her uh, work that she does uh, in terms of career path and career tuning and career assistance and things like that, career development. So without any further ado, I have with you Fatima uh, Misra. And she's going to talk to us about a whole bunch of stuff. So first things first, Fatima, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And, I, you know, it is, like I had said earlier, I enjoyed this this discussion because I, I've actually had a few shows about, you know, career developments and uh, specifically in my world. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but again, I mean, there's so many things we can talk about in terms of uh, assistance, uh, you know, guidance and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what to do, what not to do and so on and so forth. But we can also talk about the, the uh, I guess, just the environment we live in today and, mm -hmm. and how things improve. But also I want to make sure that we cover your angle, your business type and, and what you do to help people that way. So mm -hmm. before we get into that, just if you don't mind, introduce Fatma to us and, and her path and what got you into this particular part of the business. Sure. Yeah. My name is Fatima Mirza and I help ambitious professionals basically find better paying and more fulfilling jobs. Sometimes that means making a shift. Sometimes it means having honest conversations with your boss about what you need. Uh, so that's what I help people do. And I really love working with sales professionals. Um, most recently, yeah, we I have seen a lot of sales professionals kind of moving around, especially from like one sector to the other, like from real estate to software or vice versa. So those transitions are always interesting and they're kind of tricky. It seems like it would be logical to make such a transition, but it's it's it can be tricky, yeah, for sure. Well, well, again, <laughs> I am in sales, I've been in sales all my life. I mean, I it depends on how you look at it, but I still core health, I mean, it's really sales for me right. and and you know we do have a uh a saying i guess if once you're in sales you're always in sales you know mm -hmm. you can adjust you, you know to the products or the offerings and from industry to the other as long as you have the right skills you can do that but you're right it's not easy to just convert mm -hmm. from one industry to the other overnight because mm -hmm. you have to adapt and learn 
you know, the intricate stuff of each industry specifically. Right. Once you're good right. at one, doesn't mean you're going to be good at that. But if you have what it takes central, you know, as your mm-hmm. base foundation, I think that can help. Um, so, so, but now, now you, you basically, do you help people specifically in terms of like, uh, let's say you do consulting with, you know, if I wanted mm-hmm. to shift, I'll come to you and then you'll yes. help us, you know, get through the, the process and maybe give us guidance. So, exactly. so if you don't mind, guide us through that process, you know, as, as an, you know, for, with an example, potential example. Sure. So let's say, yeah, let's say you are in sales and you're transitioning from real estate to software sales, right? This is a transition that I've seen come up quite a lot in the past, in, in 2022 at least. Um, and, you know, probably going to see that in 2023 and beyond. So what's happening to you is you, like software sales, like the people that are hiring, they're they have a very specific way they like to think about themselves. You know, I feel like when you make above a certain amount of, you know, pay, that value becomes who you are. Like it, it becomes very tied to who you are. So their egos and and their their sense of self is really tied into, um, you know, the work that they do. So whenever they see an outsider, oh, this guy's coming in from real estate, or this guy's coming in from like, uh, you know, some other some other field, their their guard goes up. They're like, what gives you, you know the the audacity basically to <laughs> come in and interview here so it's a very specific way you have to kind of talk to these people there's there's a lot of kind of messaging and branding that you have to get just right starting from the resume so like the first thing we do is redo your resume make sure that it it there's not like too much emphasis on real estate like if you're just saying like closed you know like beachfront property was worth three million dollars blah, blah blah like immediately my guard would go up if i was in software and i would say all right, you know, Hashem's just, he's not just a real estate guy. Yeah, he doesn't, he's not smart enough. He's not technical enough. That's rude. That's really messed up. But this is the honest and unfortunate reality of how people are perceived when you're just a piece of paper, you know, when it's easy to kind of break you apart and compare you. So that's one thing. And then like in your interview, obviously you cannot be like, really kind of highlighting your real estate experience. You can definitely talk about it because it would be disingenuous not to. But kind of tying it into software is really important. So like things like, you know, even to the question, tell me about yourself, you can see something like I did get my start in the real estate world, but I've always been very interested in the world of software sales. You know, we did some implementations at my real estate firm. Uh, We rolled out some software. It was so interesting. I love understanding, you know, businesses needs and understanding what the, the conflicting stakeholder criteria might be and figuring out how to make everyone happy. You know, these, these, are very like software sales headaches that you're mm-hmm. supposed to come in and solve. So kind of speaking that language is really important in the interview process. And then, you know, negotiating your salary, you're going to be seen as somebody who like is kind of entering that world. So they're probably not going to want, they're, they're going to use that to kind of undermine your ability to ask for more, but there are ways around that depending on your situation. Maybe you have taken courses or maybe you do have a lot of software experience it's just not really apparent because your job titles all say real estate real estate real estate so figuring out how to best present yourself in those situations and asking for more is also um it's also uh, tricky but it's very doable i think transitions are becoming so common now not even like since the pandemic but since the great recession of 2008 you know it's become very very common for people to move around as industries crash and go back up so People see that people see gaps in you know 2008 and in 2020 and they're they're okay like we understand we all have that shared trauma right 
So that's that's basically what we would do. Yeah. Well, thank you. And there's a lot in there that you that mm-hmm. you covered, and so I want to just dissect it and unpack <laughs> it and just kind of break it down a little bit. So, well, first things first. Uh, I know you specifically mentioned the example of the real estate into s- software sales, and, right. and and they are different worlds. And you're right. I mean, if you're in the software, you probably want someone that has that kind of experience. By the way, that's pretty standard in all industries. You want someone that's got the experience. I mean, you know, I mean, I want to go back to even the basics. I mean, right now you come out of college uh, and you want to seek a job. The first thing is like, well, how (laughs) how many years of experience? Well, none. I mean, unless you do some internships and stuff, you really started with none. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very difficult. Many people actually wind up doing something different because they don't have the experience in whatever they majored in. Exactly. It's a tough, it starts already bad from the college days. And then mm-hmm. you just, you know, you have to wing it and work something out to to get into. Once you get into some sort of a niche or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. industry and you get your your footings, I think that that helps. But mm-hmm. that's that's one challenge. But but you talked about real estate. Real estate sales is pretty, you know, large, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it it's a different personality. It's a different Very approach. Different. Yeah. Uh, and whether it's commercial, residential, you know, there are just slight differences. Differences, but at the end of the day, it's, I mean, believe it or not, I, I I sold real estate. I taught real estate in New York for many years, and I, uh, you know, a lot of sales agents actually. I, I, you know, we used to do the courses in New York to to get licensed, and uh, we did the sales training as well. And so the training for for real estate agents is a little different. Brokers. And it's just about, you know, the prospect can find the listings, blah, 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 how mm-hmm. to present, you know, the properties and how to be different from others. But that concept applies to almost all industries. Now, my my core sales is in the insurance world and more mm-hmm. specifically in health insurance. And so so looking, just being in those two elements of sales is one thing. I have not actually dabbled in, in uh, sales, uh, like um, software, although I was approached to actually do some mm-hmm. of it. And, I, and, and it could be done because I looked into it. And you're right. It's, it's like, how do you, change your mindset from one thing and not always relate right. to your you know you know existing experience or right. your, you know background and start to almost readjust to whatever the language is because you have to switch the language you know discussion and not everybody can do that transition so it needs some coaching and things and i love what you do and i guess career tuners i mean I, it's just perfect <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's like you are tuning them you know to actually yeah. switch yeah. and do things and and you, you said it you know 2008 recession a lot of industries crashed and uh mm-hmm. financial industries was big you know a lot of people moved from there from uh, even like some of the financial pieces mm-hmm. into again to, in the insurance world that was a, a very common issue as a matter of fact we've hired a lot of people that had something because they had right. the licensing mm-hmm. it was easy uh and, and and frankly even me personally as a i do recruit a lot of people in in my my jobs um and especially sales people because I'm, I'm you know head of sales so the, we're always interviewing sales and you never stop and, you know, I've had, you know, again, luckily in my industry, we we accept everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have sales experience, that's what we care about. We don't care so much about the industry. Obviously, preferable to have a background in what we do. Like, let's mm-hmm. say in our world, Medicare, managed care, you know, uh, managed care in general, insurance sales, uh, not commercial. We've But we've we've hired people from any sales, whether telecom, mm-hmm. uh, car sales people, uh, mm-hmm. software sales people, medical sales, even pharma sales, you know, reps we've, we've recruited. And by, by the way, I actually I had been offered to work at Merck's, you know, a long time ago mm-hmm. uh, for for pharmaceutical stuff. So so again, they're all different angles and different backgrounds, and you have to learn those industries specifically to be right. able to pitch. And the clientele may vary because software is you're looking at companies and you know IS, okay. you know, leadership or CI, uh, chief information officers, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, those yeah. are the ones you, you kind of operate with or operations. 
um, you know, in in real estate, you're talking to really the buyers and the people mm-hmm. that are, you know, or the the business owners that actually gonna start a location. So it changes dynamics. But but mm-hmm. the idea is not everybody knows how to approach it. And I love what you do because it can help people kind of shift. Now you said something about the resume, and I think that's a big question, and we can spend some a minute about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I have a question about it, and then I'll sure. I'll, I'll, I'll interject. You know, is it true that the decisions are made in in the first you know chapter of your resume, the first you know two sentences of your resume, would intro the resume, and how much time does someone really take to evaluate your resume in reality in the, in the business of HR? Right, right. It depends on what stage of the reading process your resume is in. It's not like okay, it's just one kind of person reading your resume. There's multiple different people, right? First, there's a software or like a tool, an applicant tracking system. How it processes the information on your resume is going to be different from how a human being processes information. What it looks at, what it gives weight to. It's built in a way to like mimic that, but it's not exact. So how you kind of speak to that versus how you speak to a person is going to be different. Uh, then you have someone probably like if it's in like a larger company, probably what's happening is there's somebody using the applicant tracking system and then they're kind of screening that list down even further. So like a lay person, maybe someone in HR, someone who is familiar with the scope of the role, but they don't do that job. Right. And then if that stage gets passed, then somebody who actually does that job, potentially who you're going to be reporting to is going to look at the resume. So it's like multiple steps. And within that decision-making process, depending on how high up you know, you're interviewing for. There might be the executive board looking at your resume. Uh, you might have like other people who are stakeholders looking at your resume. So it depends. But yeah, the person who's just screening your resume, they have a lot to get through, right? They're using the applicant tracking system. They've used the applicant tracking system to let's say take a hundred, you know, a pool of a hundred candidates and boil it down to 20. Now their job is to boil this down to like, let's say five to 10. So they're like, okay, you I'm going to quickly glance through this. If you're not checking off these very kind of, what's the word, superficial boxes, you mm-hmm. know, I'm going to I'm gonna reject your resume. And then that last stack of, of five resumes or however, it goes to the decision maker for interviews. Or you get, you know, a screening call and then that, that, that helps whittle the pile down even further. So what ends up happening is because this HR person doesn't have like, super duper familiarity with like doing the job each and every day they tend to kind of go with what looks like the safer candidate right the kind of the more cookie cutter candidate kind of the person like who looks like they've been doing this job all their life when in reality like the people who are the most successful from like a leadership perspective from innovation and all of those things that really move the needle are the people that have something kind of unique and special about their background. You know, like maybe they started a business and failed, but yeah, but maybe they learned a lot and, you know, that helps them be like way, you know, way better than someone who who just did like, who just sat behind a desk all their life. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, there's different ways that you have to speak to these different kinds of people. So if you, you not like, I guarantee like out of your listeners, like 80% of them are not these kind of cookie cutter candidates who have done one thing all their lives, unless they're just getting their start in the professional space. After a while, you get these hiccups. Maybe you go on maternity or paternity leave. Maybe you were laid off after just working somewhere for six months. Maybe you had to change industries. Maybe what you're doing has nothing to do with your degree. You know, there's a lot of these like little questions that can come up. So what you have to do is talk about your 
your work in a way that someone who's looking for the cookie cutter candidate doesn't kind of get their guard up. Well, at the same time, your resume also has to speak to the person who's looking for that very innovative and creative and a cut above the rest kind of professional too, especially if you're going higher up. Like if you're interviewing for a director level position, like, yeah, you do want to check off all the boxes, but that's the bare minimum. You also want to show that you're cut above the rest. So that's that's what your resume has to do. It's a tall order, but it's 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 very simple once you've been doing it for 13 years, which I haven't. So I feel like I've boiled it down to science and I can help anybody kind of not raise red flags on their resume. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. But that that's a little scary when, when you're thinking about like an application tracker that actually kind of almost pre-screens those resumes mm-hmm. based on keywords, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so if your resume is not, I guess, really hitting those marks and it could be right. just good, it's just that it's not, the system is just automatic and they reject you and you might not even make it to that pile. Right. And that that in itself is something different from the past. The past, you would get a resume. I remember back in the days, you get yeah. physical resumes. Right. You read each one of them and you right. see like, okay, yes, no, yes, no. And sometimes we had a couple of people actually that actually we handed down like, what do you think? What do you think? And then we checked them out and there's like, all right, these the pile that's going to go. And, and and I've had those, like we did you know, open houses, for example, and that's how mm-hmm. we did it. People come in, submit the resume and things like that. So it, it's changed, you know, to, you know, like it's just a big difference from like, years ago or, or 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 just about i mean it's, it's a whole new world right now and actually i've had this discussion with some friends where you submit your resume and you don't even get hits and uh and, and the reason is because you're basically i just washed out before somebody even took took a look at you or mm-hmm, got a mm-hmm. chance to re- review your linkedin profile or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. and then I, I love what you said about you know then it goes to someone who actually mm-hmm. has to determine but and you were I love your honesty about it is that not everybody is an expert in every role and every experience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, and I've seen this recruiters that may not have the understanding of the industry that they work for, you know, right. and, so, and I've seen that when someone is new to the industry, they got hired because they have some HR background, right. but they don't know the business itself because they, right. they haven't been entrenched into it. They don't even mm-hmm. know. And I think sometimes the, the, the people, the recruiting managers have to spend mm-hmm. more time to educate them, even have them spend some time in the field with some real folks, you know, to see mm-hmm. like what this role really does. Then mm-hmm. they'll be able to kind of understand, you know, what this work. Now, of course, that's more difficult, but I think mm-hmm. it's culturally, it's acceptable that every company, when they hire someone to do recruiting for them, to train them in the, uh, the different aspects. And again, every company has multiple positions and, 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 and but in the sales specific, you have you have to have certain characteristics for leadership. You re- you said it best. You have to have some key stuff, and people sometimes don't, don't they don't look at that. They just look right. at your last experience. What did you do? Right. Is the title matching? Right. Your right. title that you had in the last two years adds up. Yeah. Okay. So you're good. You mm-hmm. Look at the first page, and let's say someone who has been doing like my case thirty years. It's three page mm-hmm. <laughs> resume. Right. So, right. Yeah. And I can't cut it out any further because you 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 simplify as much, but you still mm-hmm. have to have all the the the, the pertinent stuff. And mm-hmm. you have like uh, resume structure sometimes can affect because you have like your experience, your like your skills sometimes are all the mm-hmm. way in the end of a resume. At least the traditional resumes they look like that, and then mm-hmm. you have your 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 statement up front, and you have everything else in between, and you have your education. And some people are looking at different aspects of your resume. And to your point. If you look at my resume, there are things, and there's also things that you don't even put in your resume. You know, right. I've had businesses 
that that were on the side they're not career bad they things that mm-hmm. i started i don't have them on my resume so sure. if you're looking for a true leader you're not going to see that now if you go to my linkedin profile you probably can see that mm-hmm. you see so so they're new i mean again now it's becoming more common that when you recruit you look at somebody's profile linkedin it's like it's right. like the first thing you do now Right. Well, right. I don't know if it's the first thing. I mean, you tell us, but <laughs> but I I can tell you at least from my perspective, we always like when you want to know about someone, you just look them up and and mm-hmm. see like what their posts look like, you know, what their profile looks like, you know, are they involved in things? Could be good or bad, doesn't matter. But it's just something that we do. So so it is it really almost intriguing to know that the world has changed and how you are perceived, and then your future is in the hands of a recruiter <laughs> or whoever that. So first is the software, and then it's you. Uh, you know, as the recruiter or the, the HR person. So how, you know, confident people are today in that selection mode, you know, and, and if, and let, you know, if I don't know uh, if you can answer this one or not, but uh, are we missing opportunities with real candidates uh, that may not make it because of the process? I definitely think so. But I mean, I think that the fears and concerns that employers have, like if we look at both sides of the perspective, um, I think the way you hire is very like, it's very empathetic and it's very like personal, but a lot of people don't do that. You know, a lot of people will not consider people who are outsiders from, you know, the industry or don't have a specific number of years of experience. And they have like these rules and, and they're kind of unwilling to bend their rules even if they see someone that potentially could be exceptional. And there's there's a couple of reasons why. First and foremost, like the business risk of taking on a bad hire, it can be immense depending on the role you're recruiting for. Uh, it can be very costly. Uh, it can be very costly from like, you know, if they turn out to be a bad person who's like, you know, potentially doing nefarious things at work, that's very, very expensive. Uh, so there are some things that people put in their resumes that make them look like flight risks that make them look like they potentially aren't professional, you know, and it's, I understand why that happens. I understand why someone would have that fear, right? We, we want people to not be so driven by fear, but it's the reality of the world. The second thing is like, a lot of people are exceptional professionals, but they are absolute garbage at selling themselves. You know what I mean? Me included. Like when I had to put my own resume together recently, I was like, I am the owner of a resume writing business. There are 20 people under me. Like what is wrong with me right now? But that's, it's so hard to write about yourself because it's considered boasting. And we've been ingrained this from a young age. Don't talk about yourself, you know, shine the light on other people, especially if you're from, you know, if you weren't raised in like an individualistic society, it's considered so bad to talk about yourself like this, right? So it's like, it's two things. First, people are not selling themselves properly and they're like really drawing attention to these things that get people's guard up. And second, the business risk associated with someone who is not a good hire is it, it can be immense. Like the, the negative payoff can be like really, really high, right? So um, it is scary. And yes, there are awesome people who are getting dismissed. However, it is my job to help people still kind of navigate those situations, regardless of who they are, what they, you know, what their background is, what's been happening in their life. I mean, I have seen, I think, pretty much everything that's possible. Uh, I, I say this every year and then something new happens. <laughs> but like, but things, like, I think, things change. 
<laughs> I think I have seen pretty much everything that's possible. And I put out a lot of literature on empowering job seekers to navigate their specific situations. Like even something as simple as an employment leave, the way you talk about it, you know, I have written like two blogs on this, how to talk about your employment leave, depending on whether you were taking a break for studies, all the way to if you were suing your employer for something they did. How do you talk about all of these situations if you're interviewing? That, yeah, because this happens. Like, this is stuff that I've seen where someone's like, I have an employment leave because I was unemployable because I was suing my boss for sexual harassment. Ooh. How do I talk about it? That's not her fault. Right. But now break, breaking it down to the but new. But she's paying for it. Yeah. It's she's difficult. paying for that. Yeah. So it's, it's, this is the situations where I strive to empower and there's solutions to everything. I promise you the way you talk about things, even if it seems as big and scary and daunting as look, I have like a le legal issue pending right now. There's ways to talk about it in a way that still makes people feel comfortable that you're not a flight risk, that you're not going to be a bad hire, that you're going to do great work. So there, there's solutions to everything depending on your story. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. So, so two things you mentioned there that, that it's funny because you you said it like it's hard we're conditioned not to talk about ourselves um, mm -hmm. because it's like it's not the right thing to do see on my in my world i believe the opposite you, you got to talk about yourself the only one that can sell you is you there's no one that can sell you better than you and and preparing yourself to be able to do that you have to to be confident and proud and so on. but mm -hmm. on the flip side of that you do have people that are excellent sell people they can deliver the pitch but they can deliver the action <laughs> meaning mm -hmm. they can sell it so when an interview is coming a lot of people can't prepare themselves for the interview mm -hmm. and make it through the stages and then when you put them to work they may not be as good as they promised to be mm -hmm. or they presented themselves so that's one group and of course you're right there are people that are not able to articulate who they are and mm -hmm. what they can do for you um, and then it becomes very difficult to make that judgment call, you know, when you're hiring. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I've literally hired thousands of people over the years and I've seen all kinds of, you know, different approaches on, and, and some that really promise you that they, and not just promise you, you drill them. Like I, I literally do practical, you know, uh, screening questions and do role plays with the people to really, actually, I started with that pen thing back in the days. And now it's really like whatever industry you come in, if you tell me you're coming from software, well, I'm going to be your client. Let, let's see your approach to actually come in with your software. I don't mm -hmm. need you to learn about my industry. Tell me what you have done. And I'm just a new potential client for you in your software work. If you tell me from telecom, well, you know what? What are you selling? Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, a uh, internet, you're selling phones, whatever. Let's talk about that. So, but but you just try to see like in them in their own skin, in their own expertise. And then you can gauge, are they going to be a good fit or transition to this well? And can you... Uh, simply shift the the product knowledge to them and they'll be able to apply because the rules, I mean, are, stay the same for sales. So it's really, can they transition to that and can they discover, like, for example, I'm in the senior market. Well, why are your clients? Who are your clients? Where can you find your clients? If someone cannot figure out where senior market is, then that's a problem, right? You know, I mean, you can teach them, but they're supposed to know that. So, so some of these things can happen. Uh, so it's really a, a very uh, difficult balance and and, and I, I don't want to do your job because I know it's tough because really understanding those those balances when you hire someone like really is this person doing a good job you said something right. uh, the example you said about the litigation whatever case people mm -hmm. sometimes shy away from you just by stating that they're like oh this person is going to cause me problems if they right, before, right. they're going to be a problem here so by default they're already like you know mm -mm, this is not happening so, right. so that that how do you prevent that i mean i know there are techniques now if someone doesn't seek your help 
Mm -hmm. they do it on their own, there's a good chance they're not going to be able to do it right. You know, mm -hmm. so and that and that's the, the the challenge that we have. Not everybody knows that there are services, right? And or has the ability to afford to get services to help right. them. This right. most people think right. they can do it themselves, right? Now, I do try to make my services as accessible as possible just by kind of boiling down what we do into like free guides and stuff like that on my website um, because I, I think it is important. I mean, I've had someone like come to me and be like, I'm a cancer survivor and, you know, I had to take time off for cancer. And like if I tell people like I had cancer, they don't hire me because they think I'm going to go into remission. That's illegal, you know, but she can't prove that. And uh these things are really hard to prove and and it's it's so upsetting and angry like you already you already went through cancer like how much you know and then on top of that you have this additional really big thing where you can't you know you're not paying the bills and all that so i really try to make things accessible if you just kind of like look stuff up on my website i guarantee you'll find something because i have helped people with all kinds of crazy stories where who were experiencing all kinds of issues and like there's i mean at the end of the day it's just two questions that you have to answer is first like i'm gonna be a good hire and second is like i'm not going to cause you any harm right mm -hmm. as long as you can convey that like that's it that you don't really need to do much more so it's it's a simple framework and there's ways to talk about everything so please you know, if you are struggling with something, just do a little bit of Googling. I'm sure you can find, you know, someone else who has a similar story who was able to sell it in a way that makes sense. And you can copy what they've done. You can you can ask them for advice, even uh, a great chance to network. Right. The other thing I want to um, kind of follow up on something you said about, you know, some people being really good at selling themselves. And then at the end of the day, they're like, not not really working that well. Uh, in my experience working with sales professionals, sorry guys, I'm gonna have to call you guys out. <laughs> I have had, Oops. This, I've had this experience where like salespeople are like, I'm amazing, I could sell anything, of course, I can sell myself, and they have this like huge, you know, like, yeah, what like they're just full of energy and everything. But like, I do like a mock interview with them, and I'm like, dude, you are talking so much about things that are making you look unattractive as a candidate. And I have found this specifically in sales professionals only. I mean, yeah, there are some other, you know, random outliers, but but I've seen this issue a lot with salespeople where they're like, of course I can sell myself in an interview. I sell every day. I sell 24 seven. Like, of course I don't need interview help, but then they're like, I don't know why I'm getting rejected. And I'm like, are you getting interviews? Yeah. Are the interviews turning into offers? No. Okay. That's your bottleneck. Like figure it out. What are you saying? What What are you presenting? That's giving the person on the other side of the table pause. Is there something that you're saying that's off-putting? Is the way you're coming across off-putting? Are you saying in any way that, you know, you're not going to be a good hire or that you're going to cause the company harm? Like we have to think about that critically. Uh, so that's that's one big thing that uh, I have found with sales professionals. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I love you, but it's true. <laughs> no, 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 but but you know, listen, I I am a, a hardcore DNA sales guy, and I can tell you, it, we we all have uh, in in the sales world. There's two types of sales, you know, identities. There are the the true sales you know, menship people, I would call them that way. And then there's, again, salesmanship here. I mean, mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the, the gender piece of it. It's more the concept of whether you're really understanding sales dynamics. Mm -hmm. and, and and it's not about always pitching. It's about the ability to really respond correctly, understanding what the needs are and be able to articulate that. Mm -hmm. And you're right, there's the other salespeople, which again, 
they do give the perception that we all suck <laughs> and and that all of us are bad and unfortunately <laughs> we ha- it's it's a fact you I mean, said it i don't say <laughs> no yeah listen i've i've said it in many shows because that's really <laughs> the problem I, even my trainers i say it i mean mm-hmm. uh we are the second most hated people on the planet because after lawyers and <laughs> folks you know my 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 lovers we love you my lawyers we love you uh you know the 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 the, the thing is that it's a perception because mm-hmm. of of how some elements do create that perception, you know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you go to some places and the salespeople are just like pitching, 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 and you just I don't want to pitch, you know, mm-hmm. I want someone to, you know, to help me understand, understand what, me. my needs, understand what I want, and that's the difference. You you know, you got to be consultative. You have to be, you know, advisor. You you can't just be pitching. And because we sell a lot, we talk a lot. Sometimes we tend to get that mixed up, and we become overselling. And you're right. Let's. That's why. Again, to your point, I, I, you said it best. Role play is the best way to find out, because then yes. that's when you get into the core. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I throw in things all the time to people when I say, like, talk to me. Like I'm your client. Here's a scenario. We're at this location. You just made an appointment with me. You know, give me your your best pitch. And mm-hmm. the first thing that they will do, and I've seen this, like I would say, six out of ten or seven out of ten interviews, where they just go, oh, so we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. Our products are great, great. None of that discussion had to do with my needs or right. what, what I was right. about. No one even took the time to ask me. They just start go for the kill. Mm-hmm. Bad move. And that's really what actually most of salespeople do. Now, again, we're not bashing, but these are the things that we need to be aware of. Yes. So, so as you are, you know, if you're in sales, like I said, you have to evolve and you have to understand that it's not about you. It's about what them, your clients, and you have to find out everything. You know, you got to spend time with the people before asking the right questions, you know, those, you know, and there's skills to this open end questions, blah, 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 and probing and, and doing all that good stuff before you can start going into actually a presentation piece. That's the latter part, actually, or even like a smaller portion of it. And when you get to there, you're already like halfway there. Mm-hmm. And and if you're doing this on an interview process, I mean, I, I, I do pride myself in one thing is that if I go on an interview, you know, I go with the concept, this is my job. I have to to be better than most of the other candidates, right. if not all, and maybe wind up to be one of the the last, you know, can, contenders on this particular opportunity. And to be honest with you, so far so good. I mean, my mm-hmm. my my close ratio on that one is pretty good. But but the fact is not because I pitch more, you know, like you said, I mean, my resume speaks for itself, it's very mm-hmm. concise. But also it's like you ask me the questions, you know, and I and again, I've been interviewing for higher roles, and therefore there's there's you get all these high leadership that actually interviews you and so mm-hmm. you, these guys you're not going to bullshit your way around them <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they, they know what they're looking for and it has to be a clear thing and sometimes not a good fit for you or for them and mm-hmm. you have to also be mindful of that not all opportunities are equal so so it's it's that thing so so by the way you didn't offend you know anyone i think you you were you know running the money uh, i think for all our audiences if you're in sales just we have to be mindful of our mistakes and mm-hmm. and just adjust there's nothing wrong with it as a matter of fact yeah and there's like i have I, I i did this really stupid thing once and i was like really beating myself up about it and, and i remember my colleague said to me and i'll never forget this words stupidity is not an incurable disease <laughs> I, I said love that it. and like if you've done something stupid in the past it's okay like it's not the end of the world you can you can come up and then you can fix that there are solutions to everything well you know i think the bigger piece of this is that accountability mm-hmm. uh, we always like why it's happening and we look mm-hmm. at what they did like the like the interviewers or the hiring people but we never ask the question what did i what did i do good what what did i do did i say it yeah. and we all have that sense we know when we walk out of an interview how well we did or how bad we did because mm-hmm. you you now you can't falsify that you cannot lie to yourself you know eh, 
this was not my best pitch or this was not, you know, I don't see, you know, the, you know, the vibe there wasn't there. You can, you can sense some of that, but at the end of the day, you have to look, if it's not happening to your point, what have mm -hmm. I done? There's something mm -hmm. wrong with my, my pitch. There's something wrong why I'm not getting the connection. Mm -hmm. And so, no, because remember we got past the tracker, we got past the recruiting, you were in front of the decision makers. You didn't make it. Mm -hmm. That's the same. That's sales one on one. I mean, if you go, we all thrive to actually become in front of someone who is actually going to make a decision. If we sell software, whatever product that we have right, or services. Right, right. So when you're there, uh, the only difference in interview that you are the product <laughs> and a exactly. service that you're. So you have to be able to pitch to them, you know, correctly and make sure that they buy not not just buy because they you are good that they have to see it in value and they know that you're going to be a a, a good contributor to their cause whatever you know business they're in and that's a big challenge so yeah. so so thank you for actually bringing of that in. and i hope i i helped a little bit you know God. but again folks let's not get offended uh it is all for us it's constructive mm -hmm. the, if you're in sales and you hear this and you know let's not think all oh, these guys are talking you know bull about us no we just want everybody to elevate and and just go to the next level where we can be more accountable and more reliable and know when we're actually doing something, how will we do it and prepare for ourselves. I mean, sales, you have to prepare anyways. So you prepare for it. That's the other, you go to an interview, you're not prepared. You have no idea about the company and the role and stuff. And, and they ask you questions and, uh, and you don't know. I mean, what do you expect? And I've seen that. Like I, I've had people like, well, what do you want to do? I'm not sure. Why? Uh, you know, I just applied. <laughs> All right. So that can, that, that almost kills the whole thing. Now you got to drill more. And by the way, that's the other thing, like for recruiters or at least the people, the hire manager, sometimes I do see that there is a lack of deep diving and, and really mm -hmm. getting in more and more deep right. dive with, with the candidates. Cause you, you'd be surprised. Like I, I'm actually of a firm belief that sometimes I don't like people with the experience mm -hmm. I, and I probably more, more, more unique in my approach because I want someone with no experience because I want to train them. <laughs> See, I don't want baggage or whatever old, you know, stuff. I want you new. Like, as long as you have the core, like your vanilla, you know, box, you know, you just, you know, clean cut and you know, come into me and I'm going to, you know, just design you the way I want it. And, uh, you know, and then right. you'll be uh, you know, applicable to what we do. Uh, you know, so I would give people an opportunity. They could be out of college. I will give them a shot because I think they're hungry. They are like, you know, motivated, they're ambitious and they want to do stuff. And yes, let's, let's teach you the tricks and make you the best. Uh, as a, and by the way, nothing again. I mean, I do. It's a mix of hiring. You can get someone experienced, but again, that that by with my time spending in, in recruiting, what I've noticed is that the more people have experience, the more luggage they have, the more pre notions <laughs> they have, the more <laughs> I know it all. I have attitude, and therefore, mm -hmm. the least they will be adaptable. <laughs> so, so. But at the same time, I do feel like out of all the clients that I coach, I do think salespeople are the most coachable, and I think it's because you do have to be really humble to do sales like you have to constantly be taking rejections and like you do you do have a lot of practice just talking right yeah. uh so if i tell people like in sales like hey you, you're coming across as a jerk like this is what to do they'll be like i'm here for it like let me know and and they'll take notes and they'll implement it the next day it'll be a completely different person so if if you're like interviews are your biggest bottleneck here's what i would tell you just take just like you sell your products in that consultative way you want to do the same thing so like you know the first part of any sales cycle is doing the research so look at the job description look at the company look up the person on linkedin and when you're looking at the job description don't just look at what it says read between the lines as well if they're using language like 
um, you know, bootstrap or like uh, creating a sales roadmap from scratch or, you know, these these kinds of this kind of language indicates that they're a small setup. They need someone to wear multiple hats. They need someone who can work within a small budget and that sort of thing. If they're, if they're using language like eliminating silos between sales and marketing, or if they're like (laughs) unify our brand collateral, that's telling you that they want you to show that you can handle working at a very big company. You can be responsible for a larger budget. You know, so you have to read between the lines to understand what their cultural needs are. And accordingly, when you're giving your interview, you can pick examples for your stories that relate more closely to that culture. So you don't want to go into like, if if they're having that kind of small business kind of language in their job description, you don't want to go in and be like, yeah, I was responsible for like a team of 30 and, you know, our budget was like $6 million. They're going to be like, first of all, this person is too expensive. Like we're not going to be able to pay their salary and they're going to be too expensive in terms of like, I do not think they're going to be capable of success with the amount of money that we can expend to this department, right? And, uh, you know, the flip flip side of it is you can't go in there and be like, yeah, I love starting things from scratch. You know, I can build up your sales team, blah, blah, blah. And at a bigger company that has that kind of language, because they're going to be like, this person is like a lone wolf kind of person. They cannot work well with other people, you know? So this is, you have to read between the lines when you're doing your research as well. It's not just about knowing what their product is. It's, it is also about understanding their culture and what language would make them feel like, ooh, I would get along really well with this person. And you know how to do that. Like you're in sales. You do this every single day. This is not a new or a difficult thing for you. You just have to take what you do for work and really apply it in this situation. It's so easy for, for someone in sales, really, because you guys do this every single day, right? Well, well, yeah. Well, again, Fatima, we're, we're talking about sales specifically, but this can apply to other people that may this not be in This can apply to other role. people, for sure. It, it, for it's sure. just a matter of understanding, to your point, reading between the lines and, and really understanding, do research, go to websites, see what this company, how long they've been in practice and, you know, what's their, you know, uh, footprint is and so on and so forth to understand the dynamics. Even look at their employer base. I mean, is it a small, to your point, small, large company, you know, the, mm-hmm. the culture that you have. So all these things can make a difference. And sometimes it's very difficult. Listen, sometimes people have to make a decision because it's bread and butter. They need, they need the mm-hmm. livelihood and they, for sure, they, they, they got to get into a company because they need to make money. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and so, so that also leads me to the next question, which is uh, some people are overqualified on mm-hmm. resumes mm-hmm. and, and there are, and that's the other thing, the higher you go, <laughs> in, in the actual you know levels mm-hmm. the, the more difficult or the the least roles are available in that industry that you're in so sometimes you're in a transition and you need to get a role and you find a role that is a little less than where you were mm-hmm. uh you know what is your take on that in terms of someone applying i mean i mean this the standard consensus is that you know that's that will undermine your career your resume a lot of people think that way so so what is your advice to people if they say they are director level but now there's a senior manager level, there are VP, mm-hmm. and there's a director level. I mean, there's ego that plays, there's experience that plays, there is you know, sure. image that plays. So how, what do you tell people about that? And it, what advice would you give them in terms of, you know, the, the the path that they have to select? Do they have to be patient and just seek the same level, accept a little less, you know, because here's the thing, if I go to you as your interviewer or someone that's reviewing my resume, mm-hmm. and I'm applying for a director and not being a VP for the last 10 years, would you hire mm-hmm. me? You see, you know, it because it also depends on the size of your company, right? Like a VP at a small business could have been like 
kind of like what a director would be for like a large business. So I always tell people like if you have some kind of thing where like you have to take a job, there's some financial issue or something like that. Like it's not the end of the world. And like I've been saying, like there is a way to tell your story that will still make sense. Like you shouldn't stress out so much about this to the point that you're like, no, this is do or die. Like I have to have to get another VP job. It's going to look bad. It's, you know, this is going to be a giant step down for me. No, like there, there are countless people who do this. There are people who literally look for this. Like they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm 60 plus and I just want to, I just want the health insurance now. (laughs) (laughs) Me and my spouse need health insurance. I'm trying to get a job where I'm not like, you know, having this giant responsibility on my shoulders anymore because I'm a little burnt out. And that's the story they want to tell without making themselves sound like old and tired and, uh, you know, technical, uh, technologically like incompetent. And these are the unfortunate biases that you have when you're a 60 plus job seeker. But like I've been saying, there's a way to communicate everything that still makes sense to the person on the other side of the table. So you know, there are ways to, let's say you, you are a VP and you're considering accepting a director level position. And then you're like, well, the next one I want is going to have to be like a VP, you know, or, or, and so how do I talk about my director level experience? First, what are some of the vice presidential duties that you potentially did as a director? Like the line between director and VP is quite mm-hmm. blurry. So there might've been some things, there might've been like departments that you were building up from scratch, or there might've been like really large budgets you were, you were leading. Maybe you your company doesn't have a VP, the director reports directly to um, the AD. chief sales officer or something like that, right? So you can just say like uh, reported directly to the chief sales officer, did vice presidential duties. You can use this language on your resume. So it's it's really not the end of the world. And if you are really feeling crippled and hopeless about this kind of situation, just talk to me. Like I'll I'll help you figure it out. It's it's uh, I've seen people make this transition over and over again because that's the reality of the world we live in, right? Like people move, you have to move with your spouse, so you're taking a different job, or you, you your industry took a hit. You know, these things happen. So mm-hmm. this this is very normal and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Well, I want to thank you, and I, and I appreciate it. And, and so, so, and I'll just want to add a couple of things to that. So, I personally did that a couple of times in my life for various mm-hmm. reasons. I mean, I moved out of the state, you know, uh, the, the the city, and then I came back and switched from from one type to another of of the sales, and I had to scale back because I didn't have the the concurrent or like the the similar responsibilities in mm-hmm. that particular aspect of the business. So, I had to step back to actually build, you know, the trust, and then move back up again. From the other side, so they always do it. Again, you got to put your ego aside, sure. and 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 that's the other thing. And as long as the pay scale is, and sometimes the pay scale may be a little less, so you want to, you have no choice. Mm-hmm. You got to take what you have to take to make it. So the adjustments to your point can be done, and and we have to look at what's best. Sometimes, for example, you move to we talked about earlier between San Francisco and Florida, mm-hmm. or like LA to to, to mm-hmm. Florida. You know, they're different. You know, dynamics. You might be in the same industry, but now here because right. you don't have local experience, they're not going to give you that higher you right. know ranking officer because you got to build your name there so mm-hmm. you, you have to understand what you're wh- wh- where you're in for and 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 just be malleable to the degree and then build yourself i mean if you're good at what you do it will take a few months to actually prove that you're good and eventually you know you'll get back to that and you will grow up again so again there's to, you have to be optimistic about it you have to be strategic mm-hmm. about it now you mentioned something about the 60 plus and that you know um, and one key word you said is that, you know, technologically challenged, you know, so I think you referred something about technology, uh, you know, what do you say to people? Because I think that is a, you know, 
times have been changing very right. quickly in terms of technology and and not everybody is kept you know catching up with the tech uh, yeah. you know what advice do you have to people that whether they're in the same industry or they're willing to change mm-hmm. or they want to scale back they need to have some current skills to help right. them you know go so what's the advice that you'll give people so obviously this is like a huge bias uh that is completely untrue in many situations like if we look at the chief information officer for any of like the larger companies they are going to be 60 plus right they come with a wealth of experience they've been leading a lot of these technology changes that we as as you know non non-technical people have have uh been taking advantage of so because i said that you seem you know tired and technologically incompetent and all of that that's not the reality of the situation however when you're just a piece of paper you're not a face it's very easy to have these biases oh my god this person graduated in 1979 i wasn't even born like you know some of these millennials (laughs) that are hiring (laughs) that are like in their early 30s they're gonna be like all right i'm feeling that already i know that feeling (laughs) (laughs) we have some gen z people in hr you know and that's (laughs) so so what there are a few solutions to this it depends on the specific bias that you think you might be running into. If you think that people think you're old and tired and all of that, first and foremost, you don't want to list your date of graduation, right? Because that's irrelevant. And you don't want to go back. Like if it makes sense to remove some of your older experiences, like if you were like a storeroom clerk back in the 80s, like maybe it doesn't, maybe that has nothing to do with what you're doing now. Just remove it. Maybe you you got your start in like a totally different field. Just remove it and and start your experiences. And let's see, it's 2023 now. So maybe 2005. So it shows that you have about 18 years of experience, which is fine. It's a decent amount. So that's one thing that you can do. Uh, and the second thing that you can do, and this this doesn't apply if you're going for like a like a CEO role, because you definitely want to show that you have a like a long history and you've 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 seen some stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> you want you want to show that you have you have the uh, the gravitas to do that. Um, second thing you want to do is a lot of the people, especially like I I live in Southern California, and like half the times someone is 60 plus, I'm like, you're lying. Like you are not 60 plus because people are so fit these days. They take such exceptional care of themselves. They might be in their seventies and eighties, but they're so immensely active. If you do anything to stay active, maybe you do Pilates or maybe you're, you hike or you mountain bike or you're a triathlete, which are things I've seen in the senior community. Add that at the bio section of your resume. At the end of the resume, you know, you think, oh, no one's going to be reading this far, but you know, there's, there's something, and I, I forgot the exact word for this, but in, there's a psychological phenomenon. It's, it's really something to parentheses. You tend to remember the first thing you see and the last thing you see. So people are going to be looking near your education anyway to see what your educational background is. Just have something there, like one line that has your bio, you know, avid hiker or triathlete or whatever. Show that you stay fit. And this helps make your resume look a lot more youthful. And of course, for technology, like this is a bias that I'm starting to see as more and more incorrect as time passes. Ageism is illegal, but it's still the number one form of discrimination in the United States. So a way to overcome this bias and show that Listen, man, I was around when the internet was invented. I know things that you don't know to <laughs> tell those little kids, you know, um, you can you can talk about things like if you've done any implementations or if you helped mentor people on like the CRM you are using, let's say, uh, go to like the language you can use is something like go to source for all uh, CRM inquiries post implementation, or maybe you uh, 
uh, maybe you took some classes on like data analytics for marketing professionals and you're using that to make like data informed decisions for your sales organization. You know, you, you can talk about that and make sure that that's kind of towards the higher up portion of your resume, maybe by moving your education higher or by putting a continuing education section at the very top or by uh, adding that to your to your summary, like having some selected achievements where you're talking about some of your technology achievements there. So um, yeah, those are some of the some of the things that you can do to alleviate some of these biases. And if you are in that situation, like I know it's really tough, like you have so much on your plate already, you're going through so much. Uh, and to be confronted with such a bias, from these young whippersnappers who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's it's very frustrating, but I've helped hundreds of people make that transition and it it's it's doable. It's it's not something that you should be giving up hope on. Well, so I'm going to give you a joke. So I still oh, I still have a, an AOL email. <laughs> oh my god. But, 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 but I have like a Gmail. I'm trying mail. very hard not to judge. <laughs> no, no, no. I have everybody. Else. I have all the others, but it's funny because people, oh, you still have an AOL. Well, I mean, I've had an AOL. I have everything else and I got like I have 12 emails. But mm-hmm. but, but really it, it's funny cuz that's like my my first. I mean, this was like when dial-up was still in existence. Mm-hmm. Internet was just a figment of imagination, right? So, but but it still exists, and you still have right, it, and right. I have some accounts there and things like that. So, but but you know, obviously, I don't have that on my resume. I have a, like a Gmail, <laughs> which right, is more right, concurrent. Right. Um, <laughs> but 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 the fact is, like you know, that's just something that to now that you mentioned, people may not realize that how people are just going. Like, oh my god, and and you, like again, I've been in the industry thirty years. Your education is thirty years old, and someone can say like, well, you know, this happened to me at a job. They did the background like, well, we need your, you know, college transcripts. Dude, 30 years ago, I don't even know what those things are. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you hire me for my college transcripts or you hire me for my experience and stuff. So, so, but these are the things that sometimes are difficult to, and you're right. It's something you have to articulate, you know, as, as you interview, but you got to make it to the stage of, mm-hmm. of selection. That's the problem. Right. Uh, you know, so, 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 Hadma, you know, one, one thing that, that I wanted to ask addition is what are some of the trends that you see in today in terms of like movement or migrations? I mean, I know you mentioned real estate to software. Mm-hmm. Is that really the trend right now? Or are there other trends that are going right now that you see? Because uh, we talk about that, that, uh, um, the great, uh, resign, I think. That's, Resignation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that that's happening. Right. Uh, I mean, are we seeing, are you seeing more people kind of maybe, because this is something that I hear all the time in, mm-hmm. in some of the talk shows, people are more doing their own businesses, they're doing mm-hmm. online, they try to be remote. You know, what 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 trends are you seeing specifically right now in terms of this? And what advice would you give people uh, as they make those decisions? Well, you have to understand, like my experience comes with a lot of bias because I, only specific people will reach out to me, right? So like making a movement into let's say going into you know car sales that's not maybe something that you need professional help with because the hiring criteria for someone who's selling cars is not as aggressive as it would be for hiring like a medical device salesperson right Mm -hmm. so my what i'm saying definitely has a lot of bias but i am seeing a lot of people try to transition into cybersecurity, software sales uh, medical device was really was really huge, you know, in the pandemic period. Pharmaceuticals is really huge in the pandemic period. It's still pretty big now, but um, I did I did do some research on this, and I have seen that in the beginning of 2023, uh, there was a survey that I saw of of, of the sales industry as a whole, and uh, pays were a lot lower for um, account executives, like uh, individual contributor roles and in, in the sales. Uh, it was like a, it was like a 2% lower 
pay range than 2022 and and, in the beginning of 2023, which is huge considering the inflation, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, yes. So there there is a little bit of like trouble that I'm seeing with some individual contributor roles, uh, depending on the industry you're in. Um, I have never seen that, to be quite honest, in in my history here, uh, to see like a 2% like reduction in initial offers. Uh, so that was, that was a little bit interesting, but yeah, the, the transitions that I'm seeing and the industries that do pay higher tend to be like software, medical device, pharmaceuticals, because these are industries where you need to also have sometimes the educational background, like for some people, you know, to, to do medical device sales, like they'll only take people who graduated with uh, a related degree. Even if you have like 20, 30 years of experience, they'll still not consider you, uh, if you don't have that degree. So these, because there's so many like compliance issues and all of that, they, 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 they really are very rigorous about who they hire, but that's not to say that transition can't be done. And I have helped a lot of people with that transition in the past. It's just specific employers have specific requirements. So these, these industries tend to pay higher. Um, even at the executive level, the, the executives at, at, in these industries tend to make a lot more. The executives in these industries tend to have master's degrees in their relative fields. Like for software, you might have like a master of software engineering. Um, for pharmaceuticals, you might have like a master's in bioengineering or pharmaceuticals or whatever. And this, this can make your salary offering much higher once you're going director level and higher. So, so is there a, a correlation to like years of experience versus years of education? For example, one year, let's say a bachelor's degree is equal 10 years of experience. Does that even work in terms of, of selection criteria? I feel like it used to back in the day. Uh, I feel like that's how people used to see your education as it counts for real world experience. But these days, it's a bias that unfortunately a lot of younger people are running into where they've gone to school, they're like tens of thousands in debt and people are like, you don't have experience. So if you are a young professional and you are having a very hard time, I just finished updating this blog that I wrote. Um, what it was is titled something like how to get a job if you don't have any intern internship experience. You do have to show that in addition to your degree, you did something else. Even if you parked cars for your school's valet, mm-hmm. that's something. And how you talk about it, like you maybe you handled large amounts of cash and all of that. Like there's there's transferable skills that you can you can pull. Uh, so you have to do something else while you're in school. You can't just be partying and going to class, unfortunately. Uh, and if you're a senior and you're like, oh no expletives <laughs> i haven't <laughs> i haven't done anything you should check out my blog uh i there are ways that you can still add something tangible to your resume to show that hey i'm not just an egghead who got a's like i have real world experience i know how to talk to people with conflicting conflicting interests mm-hmm. i know how to like problem solve i have real world skills so if you and you know this is this is a bias against underprivileged people quite frankly underprivileged students because when you're from an underprivileged background you're going to be working while you're going to school you're going to be trying to pay bills like maybe you're like a working mom that 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 you might have like a crazy work ethic but your resume is going to look less good than you know somebody who from a very privileged background who has all of their education paid for has the flexibility and time to sign up for internships has connections and their, you know, parents can get them internships with with prestigious companies and stuff like that. 
So you really have to sell yourself in a way that makes sense, in a way that still looks compete like competitive against that the more privileged student. And it's very unfortunate that that's happening, uh, but it's it's the reality. And like unpaid internships, like what is that? Like you cannot do that if you're from an underprivileged background and you have bills to pay, right? You have already all these stresses at home, I'm sure. So um, if that's something that you're experiencing. You know, you have to talk about the work that you have done in a way that makes sense. You have to also talk about some of your classwork and your assignments and your projects in a way that helps showcase your real world world skills. And whenever you have the opportunity, even if you're working like something totally unrelated, maybe you're a server at a restaurant or maybe you are, you know, like I said, parking cars or you're a cashier, try to apply some of what you're learning in school to your workplace. Have conversations with your boss about some of the things that you're studying, maybe some of the things that you can roll out at work. Maybe you're an accounting student and, you know, you're working at a restaurant as a server. Maybe you can talk to, to your boss about, hey, can I look into your QuickBooks once in a while? And can I just shadow you while you're doing the accounting every every night? You know, can I, can I just learn from you? And it's going to take a little extra time. Like it might take 15 minutes extra, which is something a little bit difficult to afford when when you have so many responsibilities but you can add that to your resume you can say something like you know helped help the boss with quickbooks this is a very critical like accounting skill that you can you can showcase so try to be creative and how you can draw connections between the job that you eventually want to do and some of the work that you're doing now to put yourself through school and if this is something that you're having a hard time with like reach out to me maybe there's something we can brainstorm together um, or at least shoot me an email and, and I'll be happy to help kind of guide you through some of what you're going through. And I'm, I'm really sorry that's happening because like, I get it. I also put myself through school. I was also working full time. I didn't have all those connections either. Uh, and like my heart goes out to you. It's, it's not, it's not fun. And, and you do tend to get a little bit angry at, you know, how, how difficult things are, because I think that's like college is when that that classism really starts to show, right? Because when you're in high school, you're kind of like, okay, everyone lives in the same like crappy neighborhood. We, we all have the same kind of crappy houses. So you have that camaraderie. We get to college and you see people that, that are driving like $100,000 cars as freshmen. And you're just like, I am taking the bus for four hours every day, bro. Like what is happening? You know, it can, it can get you, it can make you really angry, but just try to stay positive. Try to focus on the fact that there is an end in sight that you are going to school in order to better your lives. And you are going to get a hundred thousand dollar car soon too. <laughs> well, listen, that's the, the only way to think about it. And you're right. Yep. You got to make it work. It, it is what it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. everybody's circumstance can be different and we have to adjust and adapt. And, and as long as you don't lose sight, you know, of your end game and that's all. So, but on the flip side to that, if someone, for example, has, let's say an associate degree, uh, but has, enough experience mm -hmm. and you know would 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 a, a recruiter even consider them as as a good fit for a role that required let's say a bachelor's degree just a question that comes to mind which is almost the reverse psychology on their own no i think i think definitely employers are becoming more flexible with with your educational requirements and it also does depend on the industry like real estate might not have as high of a of a threshold for education um mm -hmm. I'm sorry, not threshold, sorry, barrier of entry for education as say medical device, you know, sales. So it, it does depend. And if you are trying to break into sales, it's, you know, 
having a degree is not a hard rule you can you can go into sales in different fields and 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 build up your experience that way with that being said if you are trying to transition into like more scientific sales like medical device pharmaceuticals software like you do have to have show somewhere on your resume that you have the requisite sales uh requisite skills so you can build that up in in a multitude of ways depending on the industry you're certifications and and, certifications yeah. yeah shadowing do what you can, yeah, and talk about it in a way that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. So, so one, one, one thing: uh, does language play, um, you know, a good, good role in terms of selection, you know, mode? Meaning, mm-hmm. if you speak a different language, or you, you, I guess, master a different other language, does that give you an advantage, or, or, or is that a disadvantage? <laughs> uh, you know, I have seen, and this is really sad, but I have seen that it is a disadvantage in most situations. Like, if you put the languages that you are, you know, fluent in, let's say. If I put fluent in Hindi, Urdu, blah, 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 like people are going to be like, oh, and they're not going to take me as seriously as if I put nothing. And this is weird to me. And I'm like, why? But I think it's like a like a racism thing that's happening unless you're going into, I don't know, medicine and you speak Spanish. Like, obviously, that's a big plus because you can then serve underserved communities that speak Spanish or, you know, um, whatever the case may be. So the only place that I've seen that it being a big, big strength is medicine and, and healthcare but otherwise i have seen it's it's not really um seen as a plus uh, sorry i i take that back uh if you are applying for jobs um in organizations that are trying to establish their markets in in other countries then it might be a big plus like i, ha- I have a friend who who uh he, he grew up here and everything but he's fluent in japanese so he got like a really high paying sales executive role uh in japan and then a Singaporean company was trying to penetrate the Japanese market and in Singapore they speak English so now he has now he's not just like a Japanese salesperson but he's someone with an American background who's fluent in both English and Japanese and he has that senior um, sales management experience so so in that case it was a big plus I'm just talking about within the United States (laughs) I'm from California and you would think oh yeah California is so liberal and like yeah like love to everybody who looks all kinds of ways but i have found that unfortunately that's not the case so um i don't usually put that and i don't i wouldn't put things like you know uh u.s citizen or you know something like that and if if your schooling was done abroad i wouldn't put the name of the of the city and stuff like that because these things do tend to make people feel xenophobic unfortunately so so you would remove those from the resume and then ultimately talk about them when you you pass the stage of, of I guess yeah you're like uh like let's say if you went to school in india and you do you graduated in india i would just put the name of the university i wouldn't like visually emphasize this was in india you know what i mean and if possible i if, if it's like one of those really long indian university names indians <laughs> y'all know who you are <laughs> with, with your long university everywhere i think it's international yeah well yeah listen i have a similar my, my degree is from overseas and so that that's always been a you know a challenge uh but but luckily in my industry languages were a skill that was acquired or needed and uh and so that was that was not hard but but it's it's really interesting to hear that it's actually a deterrent versus an actual advantage i yeah, I, I, I never depends thought about on that. your industry like if you're going into let's say software development to put that you're also fluent in in spanish that's not a strength right yeah, that's yeah, they don't it care. Does, it's just it's cool it's sexy yeah. but it's not like it's not going to yeah. help you do the job so if it's going to help you do the job you can put it uh if it's not then i would actually refrain from using it yeah all right all right so thank you so so one one last question and uh you know uh then we almost you know, we're just over the hour. Uh, 
in in the application process these days, mm-hmm. there are a lot of questions about I'm not a you know disabled, mm-hmm. am I disabled? I'm not a veteran. You know what what's that about? I mean, for people, because I mean, it, it is kind of scary when you're like you, you have to respond to this. I don't feel like responding, mm-hmm. but you almost have well, you could you have the option to say I do not want to disclose whatever. Right. But what is that? I mean, because that's like, is that like a, a filter to dis- to decide no, who no, is no, what? No, no. Usually that data is going to two different places. Like your resume data is going to one place and then that uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion data is going to another place. So what the company is trying to do is assess how many applicants they're getting, uh, how many hires they're making that are of these protected categories. And it'll help them with things like, um, you know, market their their employer brand it'll help them sometimes with tax benefits and stuff like hiring veterans you can sometimes get tax benefits from um so the person that's looking at your resume is not getting that data as well like in the end of the whole process they might have like in their applicant tracking system they might say okay this person checked off that they were disabled and they were hired so it allows the company to okay i have this data point that we hired someone who says that they have a disability and you know we can we can use this data in such and such way either to market their brand or to get some benefits or something like that so i would recommend that you not worry about that too much it's it's not gonna it's not gonna bite you in the butt (laughs) <laughs> no, well, no, thank you. And, and again, I, I thought just uh, it would be relevant for today's question. I mean, just to mm-hmm. give people a little comfort zone to what that means. Because again, it's just something that can be like, oh my God, you know, because like you always ask the question if you're right. applying. Right. So if you're applying, now you know what mm-hmm. that is. And to your point, it makes sense that that data is collected to assist that company for whatever reason. If they work yes. with the government, it gives them kudos and gives them, I guess, you know, right. brownie points, right? right? <laughs> All right. So, so, so just one last, you know, question. Um, uh, how can people reach out to you? And also, uh, do you offer services all over via some sort of a Zoom or remote yeah. or does it have to be local? No, no, no. I, I offer services all over the United States uh, and we work around people's hours. So we can start really early in the morning, depending on your time zone or later in the evening, because the clients you work with tend to work crazy hours too. So we work around their schedules. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to work with us, you can go to careertuners.com and check out what we do. Uh, and if you'd like to grab my, what I like to call my salary doubling resume cheat sheet, you can, you can check that out at careertuners.com uh, oh. as well. So Sign up and you'll get lots of goodies too. All right. Well, is this a, so this is only specific to the US. And sure. do you have do you have any clients or can you are you open to people maybe that need some assistance from all over all over the world? Because you know mm-hmm. you mentioned Singapore and Japan, and so there's there's <laughs> and there's a, there's a mass exodus of people today from the US right. to other countries. So right. are you assisting in those transitions as well? Yeah, we tend to, like if someone reaches out to us and asks, we do. But typically, we tend to work with people who are within the United States and are looking to stay within the United States. We do get the the random, you know, person once in a while from the Middle East or from one of the from Singapore and and all of that. Uh, sometimes it does take a little bit of research for us to prepare their work because you know, like how you sell yourself in the United States is going to be totally different from how you sell yourself in say like Japan, right? Uh, so I would say the people we're most comfortable working with are Americans. However, if you do have a specific need, then we'd be happy to help you as well. All right. So that's it. We're done. Just, just if you don't mind, we're closing our show. What would be a, a fair advice to, to leave our audiences with today? 
Uh, just like I've been saying, just stay positive because there is a solution to everything. Like, do not feel there's something embarrassing or about your profile. Do not hesitate to communicate something to a coach or to a mentor, uh, because you need help marketing it and, uh, you know, interviews and stuff like that. So if you're struggling, if you're like, man, this is something that I just am not able to surpass, uh, you know, reach out to somebody who can help you, that can listen to you, that can help you navigate those situations. Yeah. Atma, it, it was great having you. I mean, it was delightful. We, we, I learned a lot. Definitely, we shared a lot of insights for people. And this mm -hmm. is important. I mean, career paths are, are a big deal for everyone. I mean, that's livelihood. And doing it right uh, from the source can help, you know, land the right job, the right opportunity, the right career path, and, and success. So mm -hmm. so thank you so much. Keep doing the great work you do. Uh, we are connected. Definitely have the, uh, the the link of your site into mm -hmm. the description of the show so people can actually reach out to you. And uh, that's about it. And Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, folks, was, thank you. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it was a pleasure being here. No, pleasure is mine. Pleasure is mine. Folks, again, uh, we're coming to the end of the show. So thank you for being with us, listening, watching in, and we'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic, new guest. Bye for now.